How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. No matter how old our children are, our desire is to pass the Word of God along to them so that they will know it and understand it and live by it. And yet at times we take a look at this book and then we look at our children and we look at this book and we look at our children and we wonder ourselves, how on earth am I supposed to get this into them? We wonder, how much should I teach? How much should I say? How much pressure should I put on them? How much should I expect from them? All kinds of practical questions that we might ask about teaching our children. This morning, I'd like for us to take a look at teaching our children the Word of God so that they might keep their way pure. This is one of the most important things. And whether you have children at home or grown up or grandchildren, hopefully you'll be able to gather things from this lesson that will help you as you deal with your children. And I will tell you, while we go through this lesson, we are going to notice two biblical principles that you must follow as you teach your children. And under those headings, I am going to be providing some practical suggestions, which are my suggestions, and they're exactly that, my suggestions. If you find them helpful and they'll help in your home, I encourage you to use them. If they won't work in your home, don't worry, do something else. If something I say sparks your creative teaching juices and it puts you off on something that will help teach your children, that's fine too. I just hope you come away with one thing from this lesson, and that is that you are supposed to do something to teach your children the Bible. Before we get into our biblical principles of teaching our children the Bible, I'd like for us to notice three observations from Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you will, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to begin our reading in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. The Scripture there reads, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Excuse me. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I recognize that this passage is written while under the Old Covenant. But if this is what God expected parents to do with His Old Covenant, how much more should we, under a New Covenant, that Hebrews 8 and verse 6 says is enacted on better promises and is a better covenant, how much more should we be teaching our children? And as we examine this passage, there are three things that I think we need to learn from this. First of all, if we are going to teach our children, we must first be devoted to the Lord. He started off as he talked to these Israelites, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your might, with all your soul. We are supposed to love God and be devoted to Him. If we do not value what God says, 
how will we pass on what God says to our children? If we're going to teach our children, we must begin with ourselves, devoting ourselves to God. The second thing, I want you to know, you can teach your children. God did not establish the government to be the main teaching institution for your children. Are you aware that God did not even establish the church to be the main teaching institution for your children? God established parents to be the teachers for their children. And God has given you everything you need to teach your children. There, in verses 7 and verse 8, as He talks to the parents, He said, You shall teach them. God wants us to do that, and He's given us what we need. He's given us His Word. He's empowered us with authority in the home. Let's face it, He's made us bigger than them, so that when they're small, we can make them do what we want. He's given us everything we need to teach our children. You can do it. And the third thing that you need to understand from this passage is that it's going to take time. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it talked about when you lie down and when you rise up, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. How much time do we spend sitting in our house with our kids teaching them? How much time walking in the way teaching them? Let's face it, when our kids turn about six years old, we put them in a school and have them spend eight to ten hours a day learning reading and writing and arithmetic. But those subjects, as important as they are, and I believe they are important, will not help your children in eternity. How much time are we using to teach our children what will help them throughout all eternity? It will take time. You know, they say time is money. And it may be that if you are going to take the time to teach your children that you might sacrifice some money. Don't view it as a sacrifice. View it as an investment in their eternity. We need to understand this. If we're going to teach our children, we've got to start with ourselves first and be devoted to God. We can do it. And thirdly, it is going to take time. And we need to make the time and the opportunities, walking in the way, sitting in the house, lying down, rising up, riding it. You know, I understand that the Jews may have misunderstood this as they made those little boxes around their foreheads. But you know, it really might be good for you to have just Scriptures pasted around your house for your kids to see them. The two biblical principles that we need to understand, the first one comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. If we're going to teach our children the Bible, we have got to follow the principle that Paul demonstrated in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. We've got to use the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3, chapter 14, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, Paul said, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We often read this passage when we talk about ourselves using the Bible. We need to use this passage when we're talking about our kids learning the Bible. What is profitable for teaching? 
The Word of God. What is profitable for reproving them? The Word of God. What is profitable for correcting them? The Word of God. What is profitable for training them in the way of righteousness? The Word of God. What is it that is going to make them perfect and thoroughly equipped for every good work? This book. The Word of God. We need to use the Bible. The number one tool for teaching your children the Bible is the Bible. When I say to you that you need to use your Bible when you're teaching your children, I'm thinking of three things first. I'm saying that you need to read the stories from the Bible. When you want your kids to know what happened to Daniel, go to the book of Daniel and read it to them. When you want them to know what happened to Jonah, go to the book of Jonah and read it to them. When you want them to know what happened with Jesus, go to the Gospels and read it to them. Understand, veggie tales and pop-up books are fun to read. But if that is the extent of the Bible knowledge your kids get at home, they will not know the Bible like Timothy did. Use the Bible. Let them know that reading the Bible can be fun and exciting. Sure, let them know they can read other books. They can have fun reading those things. That's fine. But let them know that if they want to know what the Bible says, they've got to go back to the Bible and make it exciting for them. When you read the Bible to them, you don't have to read it in a monotone voice. You don't have to read through it quickly like you're just trying to get this over with. Make it exciting. Be excited yourself and your kids will be excited about reading the Bible. Pump them up. Let me give you an illustration. You flip over to Daniel chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. Can you imagine if I said, hey, let's, let's have some Bible reading time. And I sat you down on my knee. And, you know, here I am holding you. And I open to Daniel chapter 2 and I say, all right, now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left. And then the king gave orders to call on the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Does that sound very exciting? Thank you. See what I mean? They get it. They know. But, but try this sometime. Try this sometime. Now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Can you say Nebuchadnezzar? No, y'all can't. Can you say Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Ooh. And his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Wow. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we'll declare the interpretation. Now, I'm not going to do the whole chapter, okay? But is that more exciting? Okay, good. Somebody had to answer after the last answer. You read like that to your kids, they'll learn, hey, this book is alive. Do the voices. Make it exciting. But go back to the Bible and read the Bible to them. When I tell you that you need to use your Bible, I mean that you need to instruct your children with the Bible. When you're answering their questions, you need to go back to the Bible. When your children tell a lie and you're rebuking them for the lie, take them to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, and read it to him and say, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, 
Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Take them to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, it says, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and adulterers and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. When, they, when you're getting on to them about lying, take them to the verses and let them see it. When they've obeyed you and they've honored you and respected you, then praise them. Go to the Bible and show them the verses that they obeyed. Look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, and tell them, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you obeyed me. Remember what God said in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. When they ask you questions, go back to the Bible. When they say to you, where's granddaddy? Don't just throw off the easy answer and say, oh, he's in heaven. Take him to the Bible and show him what it says. Take him to Luke 16. Read to them from Luke 16 about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and Hades and the torment and the great chasm and the paradise in Abraham's bosom. Take them to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and read to them about the coming resurrection in which all those who are in Hades are going to be resurrected to be with God and then go to heaven. I know you're looking at me and saying, wait a minute. As you look at your four, five, six, or seven-year-old, Edwin, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. My kids won't understand that. Well, no kidding. I know that. Not the little ones anyway. But if your kids are old enough to ask a Bible question, they are old enough to hear the Bible answer. Maybe they're not old enough to understand it, but the last thing you want to do is teach them something that you're going to have to unteach them when they are old enough to understand. Go back and read it to them. And if they say, well, I don't get it, say, don't worry. Just keep reading and you'll learn. Let them hear what the Bible has to say. Answer their questions with the Bible. And the great thing that they'll learn from this is not only the answers to their questions, but that when mom and dad have a question, guess where they go to get it answered? They go right here. So when I have a question, where am I going to go? Right here. Third thing, when I say use the Bible, I mean have your children memorize Scripture. If your children are old enough to talk, they are old enough to memorize the Bible. And it doesn't take that much. It really doesn't. All you have to do is say it to them, have them repeat it back. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. It's the one I make my kids memorize. Can you imagine why? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You want your kids to know that one, don't you? And so what I do, I, I go to Tessa or Ethan, I say, all right, repeat after me. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then we go through, in fact, we've got it down all the way to verse 3. And they'll just repeat it back. And you know what will happen after a couple days? You'll be able to say, hey, tell me what Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says. And you know what they'll do? They'll rattle it off. It's amazing. Oh, but they'll forget it when they're older. Well, maybe they will. Who knows? But now they've got it. And they know it. Oh, they don't understand it. So what? They know it. As they grow, they'll grow in understanding. Now listen, don't make this a difficult thing. Don't make this a, hey, you better memorize this verse or I'll beat you. Listen, if it takes your kid a whole year to memorize one verse, so what? That'll be one more than they knew if you didn't have them do it. Just work at their own pace. Don't make it a competition. 
And certainly don't do it so that whenever I'm over at your house, you can say, hey, Edwin, look at what my kid can do. Because I'll just be honest with you, my kids have yours being. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do that, though. Because it's not about your kids impressing the preacher, the elders, or the Bible class teachers. It's about what Psalm 119 and verse 11 says. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have your kids memorize the Scripture so that it can be in their heart as they grow up. First principle. And you've got to do this. You've got to do it. This is not one of those practical suggestions that you can take or leave. This is God's Word. If you're going to teach your children the Bible, use the Bible. Second principle comes from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. And I know it says 2 Peter up there. I realized later I had that wrong. But it's 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And then in Hebrews chapter 5, in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 12, Hebrews 5 and verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What do we learn here? We learn that there's milk and there's meat. And with your kids, start off with the milk and grow. Don't expect them to understand everything you understand. Don't expect the four-year-old to understand what the 14-year-old can understand. But expect the 14-year-old to understand more than the four-year-old. Start with the milk and move toward the meat. Now, we all understand this concept. That's why so many of us are tempted to go to the VeggieTale books because, oh, they won't really understand the Bible. But that's not the answer. The answer is not get stuff that's not really the Bible and then later when they understand, go to the Bible. The answer is start with the Bible, but go with the milk and move up to the meat. Listen, I know that there are hard passages. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, we've read it a lot. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. I know there are some hard passages, but that, the issue is not easy passages versus hard passages. That's not milk and meat. Milk and meat is surface versus depth. So I'm reading through the Bible. Read through the Bible with them, and they'll get the milk. And then they'll read through it again, and they'll go a little deeper, and they'll go a little deeper, and they'll grow to meat. Just like we do with our physical bodies. The milk will help us grow, and their senses will be trained to discern between good and evil, and they will grow. Go from milk to meat. Start with the easier, work toward the harder. As we consider this principle, I'd like for us, I'm just going to provide a framework for how to deal with your children as they grow. This is, this is really the practical suggestion part. And I want to provide a, a possible framework for you to look at your children and how to teach them in each of these stages and things that you can do for them. When the child comes into the world, they start off in what, what I'm going to call the infant stage. Guess why I call it that? Do you know? Because they're infants. That's what they are. They come out this last for about a year or two. Now, of course, we know that in the infant stage, they can't understand a thing. They don't know a thing. They can't even talk to us. And so, there's absolutely no sense in trying to teach them anything, right? Oh, so wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Put that out of your head. You can teach them. 
You know, it's amazing when I talk to folks about teaching, the ki- teaching their kids the Bible. That is what the popular concept is about those little babies. They don't know. They can't understand. I can't talk to them. Don't teach them anything. But you know what they do? That baby pops out of the womb. The very first thing they do is start trying to teach them. See if this sounds familiar to you. I know when Tessa came to the world, first thing I said to her, Hi, Tessa. You know who I am? I'm your daddy. Ethan comes in the world. I say, Hey, Ethan, you know what? I love you. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think my five-minute-old Tessa understood what it meant for me to be her daddy? But I was still trying to teach it to her, wasn't I? Dumb me. You think Ethan, my five-minute-year-old son, understood anything about the concepts of love? But I was still trying to teach it to him, wasn't I? Man, what a stupid parent I am, sitting there trying to teach my kids. Why don't we do it all the time with everything? Why not do it with the Bible? You know, from the minute those kids come out of the womb to the time... They're out of the house. They are learning. And you know when they learn the most? The younger they are. And so start with them. Can you have in-depth Bible conversation with infants? Absolutely not. Are they ever going to give you any feedback? No. But you can still talk to them. You can still tell them. You can still read to them. Sing songs to them. Oh, I'm so happy that Joe's been coming to our Bible drill. A lot of parents say, oh, they're too young. We'll get them into that a couple years later. No, let them come. Hear the songs. That'll start getting them ready. You'll be amazed at what they gain from that. The second stage. Call that the parrot stage. This happens when they start talking. Sometime between the age of one and two or two and three, they start talking. We call it the parrot stage because when they start talking, what do they say? They they say what they hear you say, right? I remember the day when I was driving down the road and from the back seat I hear this little bitty female voice saying, Come on, people, get out of my daddy's way! I told Maria, I said, you got to quit talking like that while I'm driving. <laughs> Where'd she hear that? They parrot everything. And so, we need to take advantage of that. They're, they're going to repeat what we say, so what do we do? This is when we start having to memorize Scripture. They're going to repeat what you say anyway, so tell them to. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. And they'll repeat it back to you. And they'll get it. You'll be amazed at how they get Get them to start memorizing lists. Work on kings and judges and apostles and fruit of the Spirit and days of creation. It's amazing what these kids, as they're going through the stage from about two to about age five, can learn. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? We sit back and say, oh, I, I can't imagine that they'd be able to learn the kings. You know what? They will be able to learn the kings. I've seen them do it. Do they pronounce them all correctly? No. But guess what? Most of us don't pronounce them all correctly either. So what? This isn't a test on verbal acuity. This is just a test of getting this information in their little brains. Have them learn the Bible books. Have them learn the plagues. Just all of these things. Let me tell you what you're doing here. What you're actually doing. Are you getting them to understand? No, they don't understand. But they're learning. They're knowing. And it's, it's as though you are establishing a filing system in their little brains. Let me ask you this. Well, I'll just tell you this. I remember when I bought a Dodge Caravan. I was amazed how many people must have bought Dodge Caravans the same day I did. Because, you know, the day after I bought those, they were everywhere. Have you ever noticed that with the cars you buy? They must have all bought those cars the same day you did. Because they weren't there three days ago, but they're there now, right? Why is it? Well, they were there before. But now, because of what you've got, your mind is attuned and you notice it. 
Have you ever learned a word or heard about a place and all of a sudden as you're reading the paper you see that same word used ten times and you never noticed it used before? You ever noticed that? Why is that happening? Well, because now I know it. It's in my filing system and my eyes are attracted to it. You're establishing that filing system. When you teach them the ten plagues, they don't understand the plagues and what all they meant, but now they know the plagues and you're giving them a leg up because one of these days they are going to be working on understanding. And when they're trying to understand the plagues, they don't also have to devote brain activity to just learning the plagues. They've already got it down. And sometime down the road, they'll start making connections. And you'll have them with an advantage because they already know and they've already learned the days of creation, the books of the Bible, the plagues, the kings, the judges, the apostles, the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh, anything that you can teach them so that they'll have that filing system. Read them the Bible stories. As they get a little bit older, start asking them questions. Just very simple questions. You read them the story of Jesus' birth. Who is Jesus' mother? First time you ask them, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. I don't know. Don't spank them. Don't get mad at them. Just say, Mary. And then a few minutes later, ask them again. Ask them simple questions so that they're listening and paying attention. Start off by reading it to them. Take five minutes. Read whatever you read for five minutes. Then, then after you've done that a couple of days, read for seven and a half minutes. And then for ten and for fifteen. And you'll be amazed at how they'll grow. That's the parrot stage. Now, the third stage we'll call the grammar stage. When kids were classically educated, they went through three stages of formal education. And I've adopted the three terms for that, for these next three straight stages. This first one's called the grammar stage. You may remember people talking about going to grammar school. You remember that? Typically today, we think about grammar regarding syntax and sentence structure in English. But grammar actually is the idea of the basics and the foundation. And so you've got these kids. This happens, we'll say this begins at about age six, kind of along the lines of first grade. Age six on up to about age nine. And you're giving them the basics. And that's what you need to do. Read through the Bible and let them get the basics. Let them learn who, when, what, and where. Let them learn the story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Let them learn about Daniel and Jonah and Noah and Moses. Let them get it in in kind of a big picture framework of a timeline. When they get into this age, they're going to start learning how to read, start having them read it on their own. If they're not reading yet and you're still reading it, or even if they have learned how to read it, start having them tell you what they heard in the story or what they learned. Once they start getting where they write, have them write it down, what they learned or what they heard. Put it in a notebook so they can go back and look at it. Boy, there'll be nothing like having a great big notebook for your kids to say, look at all the things I've learned from the Bible. You think they'd be excited about that? Yeah, they'd really be excited about that. Start working with them with timelines. As they get a little bit older into this stage, start working with them on putting things, what's came first? and seeing how it all fits together. Start working on them with maps. You want to start off when they're young, just pointing out where things are on a map. But as they get a little bit older, start having them fill in outline maps. Work on them with these things. Get the foundations down. Keep them memorizing the Scripture. Get them to where they're reading it on their own every day by the time they're 10 years old. And I'll tell you what, one thing that's so often missed during this age group, once they start learning how to read, work on them with finding Bible passages. They need to become familiar with this book that they're supposed to be using every day. Let me give you my two cents worth on this. This is my suggestion. Do not buy them a thumb index Bible. They will never learn where the books are. I'm just going to ask you, 
I know some of you got it. When you look for a Bible book and you've got some indexes, what do you do? You do that? Even though you one time learned where all the books were. Just open up and start looking for them. Teach them how to do that. Are they going to be slow at first? Of course they are. But they'll learn. Time them. Have them have competitions with themselves. Have competitions with their brothers and sisters. Start off easy by saying, find the book of John. As they get a little bit better at it, say John 3.16 or John chapter 3 and then John 3.16 or whatever you're going to do. But work on them finding things in the Bible. Have them get the big picture. Have them work on maps. Have them learn the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why. Ask those, not the why, excuse me, getting ahead of myself. Who, what, when, and where. They're not going to understand the why yet. Get the basics. Then, as they move on, they get about 10, 11 years old, they enter the logic stage. This is where they start figuring out the why. As kids get to be about 10 and 11 years old, and it's different for every child, but they start being able to make connections. They start being able to make the connections between the different passages that they read and how they connect. They start being able to make connections between the different passages and what they mean about their lives. As they get into this age group, you'll be having them read Deuteronomy chapter 17, and they'll get to verse 14, and automatically, because you've taught them the kings... Because you've taught them the kings, they'll read Deuteronomy 17, 14. It says, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I'll set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, they'll say, that was Saul. Absolutely. That was then David and Samuel and Rehoboam and on down through there. Absolutely. Now notice what it says. You'll surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You'll set his kings over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who's not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself. Wait a minute, they'll say. Solomon had 700 wives. Yeah, I know. God said he wasn't supposed to do that. They'll be able to make those connections. They'll think about David and Bathsheba. Why? Because you've got that filing system there already. David's in their mind. Solomon's in their mind. They learned the who, the what, the when, and the where. And now they're getting the why and they're making the connections. And boy, how exciting it'll be for you. Do you know how exciting it is when your child reads a verse and they say, hey, that sounds just like what we read over here. And that's awesome. And your kids will be able to do that. When they read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, where it talked about lying, they'll be able to say, oh, that, that applies to cheating on the test, doesn't it? I shouldn't do that. So now you expect somebody in the logic stage to figure that out, somebody who's 10 to 14, because they're able to see that cheating is a form of lying. Now, I wouldn't expect four-year-olds to figure that out. But a 14-year-old better, unless they've never been challenged to think beyond a four-year-old level. They're able to make those connections. And so as they get in this age group, you don't just ask them, all right, who is the mother of Jesus? You ask them questions like, why do you think he picked Mary to be the mother of Jesus? How do you think Mary felt about being the mother of Jesus? What do you think Joseph thought when he found out that his, this woman who was going to be his wife was pregnant? Why do you think that God picked a poor carpenter's family? Ask those kinds of questions. Get them to think logically. During this stage, you want to show them how to use concordances and commentaries and lexicons. You want to teach them how to determine the look between good logic and bad logic, and you want to always tell them, Always go back to the Bible. Don't just believe what somebody else has written, a commentary. Always go back to the Bible. Final stage. They're going to turn about 14 years old. They get into what we'll call the rhetoric stage. 
You've worked on them throughout the, the grammar stage with the basics, the logic stage, with the idea of the whys and the wherefores and how it all fits together. Now, as they get into this, this time at about 14 or so, they need to start being able to express what they've learned by writing and by speaking. And this is one where I think we really often fail our kids because we expect them to wait until they're adults to start being able to tell folks what they believe. And we shouldn't do that. Now, I understand the child's 14 is not going to know everything that happened in the Bible, not going to have made all the connections, not going to know all the whys. That's an ever-learning process. We're still learning that. But by the time they get into this age group, they ought to be able to start formulating what they think and why and being able to let other people know about it. And so, what you need to start doing in this age group is not just having them read Bible stories and narrate to you or write down what it said. You need to say to them, hey... I want you to go to your Bible and I want you to just write me a short paper on lying and tell me what the Bible says about it. I want you to go to your Bible and I want you to write a short paper for me on what it takes to become a Christian. I want you to go to your Bible and I want you to come up with a little presentation that you're going to tell the whole family. We're going to set you up on the hearth and you're going to tell us where Paul went on his journeys and why. Have them do start doing those kind of things, piecing it together to write it down and to speak it and to say it. Have them sit down and go through material on personal evangelism so that they can think about teaching other folks how to become children of God. Have them work on that. Assign them the book of Ephesians or the book of James and say, I want you to tell me what the theme of that book is and I want you to outline it for me. What are Paul's main or James' main points in those books? Have them do that. They're supposed to do it at school for books they read. Why can't they do it for the Bible? I know what some are thinking. Oh, Edwin, you're just thinking that because you're a preacher and you want to turn all our kids into preachers. Well, that's not true. And yet it is. I don't want them to be full-time evangelists necessarily that get up here every Sunday and preach a sermon. But I do want all of our kids to be able to do what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. I want them to be able to do that. And I will say this, if you've got teenage boys or when you have teenage boys, I don't expect them all to be full-time evangelists, but someday they may have to preach a sermon. And so what you need to do is you need to get them to write one. And if nothing else, have them preach it to you in your living room. Have them give it to an elder or a Bible class teacher or a preacher and let them critique it and help them out. Do this stuff. Have them figure out what they might say to somebody to help them become a Christian. Maybe even write their own material that they might use. And have them take you through it. So that they're teaching you how to become a Christian. So that they'll know how to teach someone else. By the time they get out of your home, they're not going to know everything. But boy, they'll sure be on the right foot, won't they? Now listen, this is not a foolproof method to make sure that all kids are faithful. Kids can be raised right and go wrong. I know that. But I tell you what, no matter what you've taken from this regarding practical suggestions, whether you want to do all the things I've said about timelines and maps and outlines and stuff, and listen, I know it's hard. It's going to be just as hard for you as it is for them. Well, no, no, it's going to be harder for them. But it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of things. You may not want to do all of that. I understand. But here's the key. If you don't get anything else out of this lesson, get this. Do something. 
do something more than just bringing them to Bible class to teach your kids the Bible. I'm just going to tell you, it's not our job as a church to teach your kids the Bible. And so quit leaving it up to us. It's your job as the parents to teach them. We're just a supplement. We're kind of helping. But it's your job. It's my job as a parent. Do something. What are you doing? Remember this. Whatever you do, make sure you use the Bible and make sure you start with the milk and work to the meat. Help them grow. But do something.